coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I'm Teddy. And I am Matt. We are here once again bringing you Movie Going Lifestyle. And this week, we have a couple current releases that we want to talk about, namely Midsummer and Crawl. Super excited to talk about both of these. Yeah, these are very good movies that are out right now. They're a lot of fun. Um... One is a lot of fun. The yeah. other is also a lot of fun in one way because it's very good, but also it's like very stressful. It's very not fun in <laughs> in like an objective sense, but yes, yeah. But and crawl is legitimately just a lot of fun. Like, so right. let's be clear on that one. Crawl is great. Absolutely. Um, Midsummer is great too. And actually, if if you have any interest in seeing Midsummer, I would recommend going to see it first before listening to this because. Uh, it's just a wild, wild ride, and I find that going into it with no expectations was really um, very much worth it. Absolutely. It was super worth it. You don't want to get it spoiled, so we will almost definitely be spoiling it. So if you have not seen it, you should stop this podcast and go see it first. Yes. Do go see Midsummer. It's a lot if of fun. You, if you care about that sort of thing. If you don't yes. care, then so be it. But... And it's certainly it's not going to be for everyone. So, um, but if you're if you got a strong gut and you're looking for something a little mind bending and weird, uh, then I say go for it. I have a feeling if you're listening to us, you like horror and weird <laughs> things. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so, um, aside from those movies, what else has been going on with you movie wise recently? Uh, since the last time we talked. Um... Not overly much. Um, I did see Toy Story 4 finally. Uh, that happened. I, it was about yep. time. I was sort of like in that that moment where I had seen Annabelle and Child's Play, I sort of felt like Toy Story had to be the natural follow-up. So I got around to it. It was all right. Um, have some issues with it. Namely that just like the movie undoes its own message by the fact that Disney's putting out The Lion King next week. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. you do what you can, but that was annoying. So... Oh my, yeah, um, yeah. I kind of felt the same way. It was like uh, it was fun, but it did feel a little like it was undermining its own message of like moving on and stuff. Yeah, like that. it's just like it's super disingenuous of Disney to put out a movie saying like, "Oh, you know, this is how you should move on from your past and realize that there's better futures out there for you than the things you've done in the past." when they can't let go of their own past and keep just re-churning out everything they've already done before. You yes, know, yes, Disney. They're, yeah, they're, please. it doesn't make any sense. that They're not looking to the new things they have out in the future. They're just remaking the same things over and over and over, beat for beat. So I, I don't know. Like it, it was really hard to walk away from that and take any of it seriously because I know what Disney's doing. It felt like, you know, I don't know. They were like sort of capitalizing on nostalgia with Toy Story, but then they couldn't even do that fully because it's just like Woody's story. Nobody else is really relevant. So like, I don't know what's going on with this, but it was like sweet and the animation is amazing as always. So, yeah. and I really did like Bo Peep. I, it was cool to see her again, finally. So yeah, she was great. Yeah, it was nice to see her join the cast again. Uh, I thought Forky you know I, like, was a lot of fun. 
those ventriloquist dolls. <laughs> I want them yes. gone. I want them stricken from like, like my memory and Disney's collective memory, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, those things were really creepy. Um, but yeah, Forky was a lot of fun. Forky was, thought, was good. His whole like creation just sort of opened up a whole new world in the Toy Story um in the Toy Story continuity. Uh, there's a like, good slate.com article about how it's like the purest form of horror is Forky. <laughs> like just like knowing that Forky was like alive the moment this little girl like wrote her name on a popsicle stick that was like what essentially like play-doh to a fork. Like <laughs> like yes. it's terrifying and like what it says about consciousness. So um <laughs> yes, a life was created in that moment. And yeah, in a truly horrifying fashion, uh, it is forced to come to terms with its own existence. It's really upsetting. Yeah, and like the, a lot of the movie is about that, honestly. For a children's like, movie, yeah. Yeah, that's like a thing in the movie is like Forky trying to reconcile with his like being conscious. And I hate that too. So I feel you, Forky. I really do. <laughs> um, I also love that Forky's first thing when he like comes to life is just to be like, trash trash i'm like you sound exactly like me like we are the same forky (laughs) i'm pretty sure this was intentional they're they're reaching for the millennial crowd they absolutely Um, are they know we just say trash all the time (laughs) so yeah Mm -hmm. i mean and key and peel are pretty funny too i like their yeah they kind of felt like like unnecessary distractions but they were funny um yeah i did like um keanu reeves as yes. as as uh the Canada man, I just liked that every time he he was like, "Yes, we Canada." That was like my favorite thing in the movie. Just "Yes, we Canada." <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it it was it was kind of fun overall, fun but forgettable. Um, Super forgettable. I mean, yeah. I mm-hmm. until you asked me tonight, I hadn't thought about it since that since I saw it. So yeah. Well, um. The only other movies I've seen recently are the ones we're discussing tonight. So I guess we can move on to the meat of tonight's program. Super excited. Uh, Let's start first with Midsummer. This is a movie that's been very much anticipated for a while, especially in the horror community. Um, So like the it's Ari Aster's follow up after um, directing Hereditary, which made a huge splash and, um, Got everyone excited for what he was going to do next. And got um, snubbed at the Oscars. Yes, of course. As always. Um, and so this this has been hotly anticipated for a while. And I um, was very excited to see it. The basic plot is that um, these, um, these group of young people go to this... Um, this ceremonial ritual, some sort of a, a a midsummer celebration of this very insular community in um, Sweden. And um, among them are uh, Danny, who's just um, suffered from the suicide death of her entire family, like um, her mom and dad and her sister and um, and her boyfriend who um, between them, they're having like some relationship troubles recently and um, they're, 
that's sort of been flung by the wayside by this horrible tragedy. So the whole movie after that is basically just all about this crazy shit that goes down at this um, midsummer ceremony. And there's some wild stuff in it. Sure is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Things get weird. Things get real weird real fast. And it's pretty great, honestly. Yeah. There's um there's a lot of weird <laughs> What do you think is the weirdest thing that happened in this movie? Like the scene that you just absolutely were not expecting. Um okay, we can go full spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So from here on full spoilers, we're not going to really spend a lot of time summarizing everything that happens in order. Let's just get at some of the real cool moments. Um, and try to right, pick yeah. it apart that way. So I think it's like a brief thing, and it's never even really fully explained that I wasn't expecting. Um, I mean, it's sort of like alluded to early on. They say like, skin the fool, skin the fool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then when you see after Will Poulter has been inevitably killed, because you know from like the first moment Will Poulter opens his mouth in this movie that he is going to die. It's like, you are a dickwad yes. and you're going to get murdered. He's um, so obnoxious. Yeah. Um, you're just like that character in the horror movie. Um, but when, when the character Josh, who first of all, hello, is in uh, the church building and he's trying to look at like that scriptural text they have. And then he turns and he's like, uh, what is it? Mark? Is that Will Poulter's name? He's like, Mark? Yeah. And it's like Mark's skinned face. Like <laughs> somebody else. We don't even really know who. It's just like a person wearing Mark's skin. I like 100% was not expecting like like Texas Chainsaw Massacre style murder to happen in this movie. So I was like, is somebody wearing somebody else's face? I was just like, and like, it's like never even like brought up again. They're never like, oh yes, we skin people. Um, it's just like it's just like completely like it happens and then it's gone and i was like are we okay with this like yeah. well and then uh and then he was like stuffed with sawdust or something and turned mm-hmm. into like a little doll at the end uh, yeah. <laughs> you know just fun stuff um there's definitely a lot of horrifying stuff that sort of happens off screen and then you just get to see the end result of later yeah that happens with a lot of like the characters who die in this movie you sort of like they just disappear and then you see like their bodies and you're like, yikes. Yeah. That or whole... you don't see their bodies for <laughs> I think one of them who I just like don't know what happened to. Maybe I missed it, but the um so the the scene that I found the the most bizarre was the uh the sex scene. That's pretty rough, <laughs> yeah. Which is just absolutely one of the most like off-putting sex scenes of all time. Um, but yeah, just like, so the, the, so Christian is having sex with, uh, the young woman from the commune and like, they're surrounded by other people from the commune who are all naked and singing to them. And that, like that, the audience in the theater was just so unsure how to react to this like there was like long silences and then just like laughing at very specific parts of it like when the the one woman starts singing and like reaches forward to touch christian's face everyone was just bursting out laughing 
Absolutely. And that happened to mine too. I think, um, so that scene was weird. That scene was really fucking weird. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I don't even know. I, Cause like that character, um, Christian, or as a lot of characters like to pronounce it, Christian. I don't know why they were all like, I was like, please just say <laughs> Christian. We're all like, you were all like American, like American English speakers. His name is Christian. He is from a, like, it, we're, it's not that fancy, but um, <laughs> that he, he was like drugged out of his mind at this point. I don't even know how he yeah. was capable of getting it up, honestly. Um, so maybe they gave him another drug to get it. It must up. have been like the drug like made him hard. Like it was like Viagra and also something else. Um, yeah. But it, that scene was weird. What I think is interesting about that scene is how like all of the other women around the girl who's being penetrated are uh, like mimicking her, which is like really weird. Like, yeah. It's like this like collective sex they're all having. Like the whole group of women is like all having sex with him at the same time, essentially. And it's like, it's a very strange moment. Yeah. I mean, I think the movie has a lot to say about gender. Um, and maybe that's, that's all a part of that. Um, and it's probably very important, but I just remember being sitting, sitting there like, you know, I'm not used to seeing this. So (laughs) this is, this is a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that was another really bizarre part of the scene when they started like all making the sex noises together together. Yeah. And then like you could, then there was like a, a cut outside. You could see that they you could still hear it outside. <laughs> and you that could definitely was what, that's how that's how um <laughs> I thought Danny knew what was going on. And yeah. she also is it coincidence that bubble. like anyway, this is not real. This is like a tangent, but her name is Danny. We just all had a season of Game of Thrones where a character named Danny <laughs> went full batshit. I'm just yeah. saying that I'm not sure that it's not connected. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. Um, um but that's sort I, of but, like what? Yeah, the, the the sort of collective noises was like sort of was carried on other places in the movie too. Absolutely, it was sort of like a, yeah. a collective processing of emotions or something. Um, especially like in the next scene where Danny's having like a panic attack and like it's all with the, other the women, women specifically. Yeah. I think it's very important to to point out that it's like the the women in this this like commune. They when one woman has a, is something is happening, they all react together with her. Right. Um, and I think that's important. I think that's what it's trying to say. It's like, it's like just like weird, like not weird. I, weird sounds like negative. It's just like sense of community that they just like automatically have because they're just like women in this commune. And like when one woman goes through something, they all go through it, which is honestly very, I mean, I think that is a powerful statement because you don't see that with like the men in this movie, for example, like what we do see from the men in this movie is like Christian stealing Josh's work and thesis like so like um well yeah yeah. i mean i mean the people outside the community are just you know screwing each other over and backstabbing all the time um the community seems to have like a different way of doing things entirely um and i think that is part of the overall message of the movie i don't know if it's like like this is the movie's message but it's definitely a theme um in that um, like a community is valuable in dealing with grief and loss. Um, I mean, a lot. Yeah, the whole movie is about dealing with grief and loss, for loss, right? And so, like, a community's part in that, I think, is central to what this movie is talking about. Right. Part, um, like part of what's so traumatic about uh, Danny losing her family is like you lose that your own family, your own community, 
Um, and so part of this movie is just an attempt to find a new community, which she pretty much does in the end, I guess. She's, it's implied that she's going to become part of the commune uh, after being crowned the May Queen. Of course, being a part of the commune ha- comes with its own downsides. Um, like, you won't live past the age of 72, so that's yeah. a bummer. Um, <laughs> you just won't. You'll have to throw yourself onto a rock. Yeah. Um, which was, I mean, honestly, so speaking of, like, shocking scenes, I almost said this scene. It, like... The scene where a couple of 72-year-olds climb onto a cliff and fling themselves onto <laughs> this massive rock yeah. is like it's like sort of like the whole scene building up to it. You really know what they're gonna do. Like right. it's like this is this is going to happen. I've watched Hereditary. I know who Ari Aster is a di- as a director by now, even though it's only been one movie. Like I just know who he is, and he's gonna make us watch this. Um <laughs> <laughs> but like I honestly didn't expect it to be as like vicious as it was. Like, it's like you watch a face fully implode. Like, and it was like, I did not expect to see like a face bursting open like that. And then like the guy doesn't even have the luxury. Like the woman had who like just went face down and just died immediately. He like, he breaks his legs. It's you know what? It's like child's play. It breaks like yeah. everything. <laughs> yes, it like, is kind of like child's play, isn't it? <laughs> I I don't know if it's like that, but um, I just think like the. Well, I was thinking the, about when he falls with the lights and his right, like legs right. break. Yeah, just like the the gore and the violence in that scene is just done so like matter of factly. Yeah, like the, that long shot of them just like falling off the cliff. And it's just, oh, yeah, their bodies just sort of like explode. Uh, it's, oh, it's gross. God. And it's the really sound, gross. the sound in that scene is particularly good. Uh, the sound in the whole movie is like incredible, but especially like they really got those grisly sounds working overtime. Yeah, those sounds are gross. There is some grossness happening there. But it was, I mean, it was a good sequence and it was a good like moment where like the horror became like real right like for a while it was just like oh they're like here to do drugs and things are kind of weird although i gotta say if i ever walk into a camp and i see a bunch of people who are matching and i'm not matching immediately (laughs) it's like time to leave like i know that from that moment i like it's not safe to be there they're a death cult i should go um i don't know why it took them so long to figure that out but right yeah they they just thought they were they were guests uh, there to experience the festival um but yeah oh the drug scenes in this movie are insane they're good absolutely insane. Really good stuff um this movie like really has a very psychedelic feel throughout the entire movie there's just so much strangeness going on um but especially during these the scenes where they like take mushrooms or do like the the hallucinogenic tea uh it's there's just something about it it's like a very subtle warping of the backgrounds and stuff that's not like full-on fear and loathing in las vegas style drug trips (laughs) but just like a more subtle feel that really makes it a lot like creepier and seems more realistic right 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it does feel very realistic. It's like this like weird, like bubbling happening in the background. Like everything is just like slowly warping. Um, mm-hmm. and it, and yeah. That, that sort of weird. adds to like that feeling of discomfort that sort of grows throughout the movie. Right. Uh, it's, it's a very anxiety ridden film. There's it just is. all these times when you're like, oh my God, like this is a terrible situation. What is going on? Um, Which makes sense and, because Danny is like anxious the whole time. I mean, yeah. it's like is like you see her repeatedly asking for like help sleeping. She needs sleep medication from Josh. Um, you know, she's like freaking out all the time. She's got this terrible fucking boyfriend. I mean, he's just like, I don't even understand what whatever. He's just terrible. Um, <laughs> he's the worst when so. And like, I guess like that's like a big part of the movie is also like, like this toxic relationship. Right. Um, and like, yeah. you know, it's easy to make the movie just about like, oh, toxic relationships are bad. And like, I do think that's important. I think Ari Aster is saying a lot about like deadbeat boyfriends. I think that is like a point he's trying to make. And I think that's important to discuss. But I think a lot of it is not necessarily just straightforward about that. I think it's also about how people cling to that after loss you know people will cling to whatever makes them feel like they're at home even if it's like holding them back from moving forward which is i think what's happening here you know um she should be moving forward from what happened and of course nobody ever moves forward from your sister committing suicide and taking out your parents in the same stroke like nobody ever recovers from that and that's reasonable (laughs) um but like she's she has this boyfriend who is like absolutely doing the opposite of facilitating like he is just terrible he's he's self-absorbed he doesn't care about her he we see early on that he wants to break up with her but doesn't do it you know he's awful and she is at the point where at one point it's her birthday and he forgets and she's like oh it's my fault i forgot to remind him that it's my birthday yeah what she's always... <laughs> you've been together for three and a half fucking years like <laughs> yeah she's always in this habit of like apologizing when he's the one who should be apologizing well she'll like what she'll do is she'll like bring up the issue and then the moment he pushes back she's like oh my gosh you're right i don't want this to be a fight i should have done the xyz um and it's like so like she like tries to and then she can't like commit to fighting with him about it you know right Um, the moment it gets too hard she backs down and i think that's i mean i first of all i think a lot of moviegoers are going to relate to that um I know I have been in situations with partners like that, um, yeah. you know, and I think that I think that's like a dangerous place to be. And I, I think that it's that's part of what makes movies so powerful is like the ending is very cathartic, even though it's like horrifying um, <laughs> because it's just like you are moving on from this asshole and like moving on from what he did to you um, because he just like doesn't care. I mean, this is the type of guy who decides on a trip to Sweden. I'm going to write my thesis on this camp what yeah you decided this here you didn't i mean you've said earlier in the movie you didn't know what you wanted to write your thesis on this guy who you're telling this to by the way has had this idea since the first minute he spoke in the movie yeah that scene was so absurd and that just that really typified his character like he just he doesn't think about anything he doesn't think about anyone else he doesn't like do any proper planning or anything he just sort of does things whenever he feels like it and yeah, so he just like spur of the moment decides, oh yeah, this is what I'm gonna make my PhD thesis. 
uh, after this other guy has been studying it for years and preparing and like doing the background work. I am now, now going just... to do the exact same fucking thing. <laughs> and what's crazy is that um, Swedish boy, I don't remember his name. Uh, Who's Oli? 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 Okay. Yeah. He does, he like goes to ask the elders, like, oh, can they actually write their thesis about this? And he's like, oh, Josh and Christian, you now have to share this thesis. Which is crazy. It's fucking insane. Like, no. Say no to Christian. Say yes to Josh. Honestly, oh, it's that simple. It's Pele. And, oh, you know... Pele? Yes, Pele. <laughs> uh, Oli is the uh, is the guy from Hostel. <laughs> that's, that's who I was thinking of. Okay, we could... We should, I mean, bringing up Hostel again is actually relevant to this. So that's like very funny. Um, Americans abroad get yeah. themselves into trouble because they're fucking idiots. So classic. Um, they run into a, an organization or group of people who... In Europe. Uh, yeah, who has some nefarious purposes wherein they victimize outsiders. I'm not saying it's a direct correlation, but uh, there's something there. Um, there is definitely of, something there. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of other movie connections, though, I think this shows uh, this shows us that Ari Aster is not letting go of creepy cults, is he? Uh, no, I think he sure not. He might just form his own cult one of these days. I think he's just laying the groundwork. He's getting there. It's gonna happen. But like, I feel like his cult is going to be not creepy, right? Because he's writing about all the well. This one, it seemed to be in favor of the creepy cult, ultimately. So Right. I mean, they obviously did some pretty bad stuff. But um, there's definitely some arguments being made as to the merits of this society. They're just, like, very unforgiving. Like, like yes, 72-year-olds jumping off of cliffs to kill themselves is pretty bad. But it's also sort of, like, one of those things where it's, like, I, I mean... I don't know, like, you're 72, you've lived your life, if that's what you want to do, I'm not going to stop you, I guess, but, like, like some of their other things they do, like, (laughs) skinning a man alive because he peed on a fallen tree, (laughs) like, I gotta say, (laughs) I get it that that's the ancestral tree, but also the tree is dead, so, like, we need to calm down, it's fallen, it's laying across the ground, like, maybe don't skin him alive. You would be the one peeing on the tree, wouldn't you, Matt? I I can God, tell. I already. pee in so many places when I'm drunk. Like, <laughs> I absolutely would be the one peeing on the tree. I know it. So, yes, I take personal offense to this because I would be skinned alive, <laughs> and then my my flesh carcass would be used to scare my friend and murder him in a church. So, I don't yeah. want that. You'd be the friend murdered in the church, so you should be upset about this too. Oh well, I mean, at least at least I'm the smart one. Then that's. That's pretty good. Um, oh, yeah. I'm definitely the yeah. obnoxious asshole who's like running <laughs> around drinking and just like making fun of everything. That's definitely who I am. So, um, you just got to own it. That's all. That that Maypole dance. Oh, yeah. That, that whole scene was like very delirious, I'd say. I, I There's just some... I don't even know how to describe it. Just they... There was some breathless kind of energy in that whole thing with all the movement and everything. It was interesting. It was really weird. I I don't even know what really to make of that sequence. I guess I haven't thought about it enough since the movie, but like 
the entire premise of this scene is that every every night so this whole midsummer tradition only happens every 90 years right and every 90 years they crown a may queen who they crown at this dance and it's basically just whoever can stand upright the longest at the dance all of yeah. the women dance and whoever is upright the longest wins and they become the may queen for that 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 ceremony and so we have we are treated to this scene where all of the girls at the, the thing are dancing around in a big circle and if you fall you're out etc 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 um i mean you probably know from the moment you hear about the may queen in the movie that danny is going to ultimately win the may queen that seems like a yeah like a foregone conclusion um and she does at it's just like very in, it's an interesting scene i think that um it's about like like the dance is about basically just physical stamina and i think stamina on like a different sort of level is very important to like danny's like storyline like you know she's going through grief and loss and this like terrible boyfriend situation and it's like it really is like who survives this story is the person with the most stamina and Danny has the most stamina. Like <laughs> right. she is like here to weather the storm. The fact that she's still standing is pretty stunning. I mean, she went through some shit like, <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. Um, and, and also another part of this scene is you sort of see her starting to identify with the society um at first she just sort of feels thrust into this ritual and like she doesn't really know what she's doing she doesn't know the dance she doesn't know what's happening but she quickly starts to like pick it up and like laugh with the other women and joke around and even seems to be speaking swedish with them at one point oh my gosh that is i forgot about that part it's like they're speaking Swedish, but then one character is like, we're speaking through dance, so we don't have to actually talk. And I'm like, but it's in Swedish. Like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, that was a weird moment. I don't know if they're, if she's actually supposed to be able to speak Swedish or if it's just like a drug moment and they're all just like speaking gibberish. Moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a, a lot drug of drug moments. moments. And I also think it just like goes back to that moment, that conversation we had about like how a lot of this movie is about like community. Like, I think it's just about, like, how in this Maypole dance, she is finding a community now. Right. Like, a community who is, like, supporting her and up upholding her. Because, like, think about this, like, Maypole dance. It's a competition to be, like, the best person at this dance. And yet there is no ill will. Like, nobody is, like, sabotaging one another. Mm -hmm. like, like, it is all pure friendliness. Like, which is not what's happening when you look at, like, something like Josh and Christian who are, like, I mean, it's a PhD situation. It doesn't have to be a competition, but it sort of is when you're both anthropologists at the same school. Um, and like they get into a fight about writing basically the same thesis. Like for them, like a competition, they can't just uplift one another. They have to fight about it. In this Maypole dance, they are able to like, it's a community no matter what. It's like they want, everybody wants another person to win. Like <laughs> they're happy to see them win. Which is crazy. Yeah. And, and I think that's not, I mean, first of all, that's not a very American thing. We don't want to see other people win. Um, <laughs> so that's great. It's great that Danny, like, is like able to win and everybody like supports her and is excited. And I mean, she immediately, the moment she wins, everybody's like, we will now defer to her judgment on literally everything, including yeah. <laughs> people who should live and people who should die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that comes with the position. You get to decide who gets killed in the final ritual. Imagine um, that. The final yeah. ritual. <laughs> the final ritual. And the final ritual is very upsetting. Yeah. 
Yeah. So everyone gets burned in this big wooden temple that's been just sort of sitting around ominously the whole movie. Um, yeah, but not... A, okay, so there's a lot to, to unpack about that sequence. Right. So it's like, we're going to have four outsiders burned alive here. And by alive, I mean not alive. Um, Only one of them's alive. Christian's yeah. still alive at this point. So who we have are Josh, right? Who was killed in the church. Yeah. We have... Is it Will Poulter? It's Mark, right? Will Poulter is Mark, yeah. And then we have... Um, Mark is just a skin husk at this point, basically. Yes. I can't remember the other guy who leaves Connie. Not oh. leaves, but it's like a big plot point that he like... Well, yeah, they were there were two the the two of them. Um the friend yeah. so they're friends of Pele's brothers. Yeah, this who other he brought to the there. festival. Um and they get killed kind of early on off screen. You just sort of they just disappear and Simon. Like, where, his name is Simon. Go? Yeah, Simon. And so Simon we find out has been killed when yeah, that's a really upsetting sequence. His body's like strung up and he's been like cut open. I don't know. Um, his I don't know what happened are to him. Pulled out of the back of his torso. And he's, had, he's had like flowers planted Blood eagle him. Style. I don't know like what's going on. Um, so his body's in the in the burning barn. Um, yeah. Interestingly, who's not in the burning barn is Connie. And I have a lot of questions about what the fuck happened to Connie. She like leaves. We all hear her screaming. And then I have no idea what happened from there. That like, is a good question. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember if we saw her in the bar. I don't think scene. we do. I think it's one of those like things where it's like the horror happens off screen and they're just content to let us wonder. Mm. Um, but and then the fourth outsider is of course Christian. Um, the what's Christian though can't just like die in it. He is stuffed into a carved and hollowed out bear. Yeah, a bear carcass. He's in a bear carcass. He's basically in a in a real bear outfit, which I thought was like a very weird. Okay, so major tangent here. This whole movie has a lot of similarities to The Wicker Man. And oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I think a lot of people definitely pick up on that right away. But this one in particular was a very big similarity because that movie also features Nicolas Cage running around in a bear outfit and then getting burned alive inside of a giant wooden man. Right. <laughs> That's like a big thing. There's some really big parallels there. Also, I like how you just like defaulted into the Nicolas Cage one. Of course. Um, when you think about the Wicker Man. Uh, <laughs> we Nicolas don't think about the original here. We think about the Nicolas Cage remake. Um, well, I mean, how can you forget Nicolas Cage screaming, Oh, not the bees! Not the bees! Oh, they're in my eyes! I'm glad how that's how what that's what you think about when you think about this movie. I mean, I just think about my terrible roommate situation that one time who saw the aborted fetuses and said, "This is why abortion should be illegal." And I was like, "We're watching The Wicker Man. It's not that serious. Like, <laughs> this it's is not like, a political statement. It's, this movie is literally not like conservative or liberal. It is just The Wicker Man. It is um, just absolutely nuts. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, I. I think that maybe is an intentional parallel. I'm not really sure. I don't really know what to make of the bear. Honestly, the whole thing was kind of weird. I was it's like thinking about it, it's a bear. It it's is a bear. bear. It's a bear. 
Um, I kept thinking, so, you know, the first time they show the bear is very, very funny. It's like, I think it's Will Poulter who brings it up. He's like, so is nobody going to comment on the bear in a cage? And they just pan over and there's a bear in a cage. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> of course. Why not? Um, and so, like, we're all just like, what's going to happen with that bear? Like, you kind of think that bear is going to, like, kill someone at some point. Like, you think it might, right. like, like break out and, like, maul somebody. And, like, that's what I was expecting to happen. Or they're going to, like, feed someone to the bear or something. Right. Yeah. What I really thought was going to happen was some, like, weird Shakespeare reference. You know, exit pursued by bear. I was like, this is going to happen, and I'm going to love that because I like Shakespeare. And so I was really hoping for that, but that doesn't really happen. So, I mean, you could kind of twist it and say, like, Christian is making his exit. He's kind of pursued by a bear because he's in a bear. But really, he's just, like, in a bear burning alive. Um, yep. And then I was like, maybe it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing sort of concept happening. Like, um, he's like, you know, like, he's a he's a wolf in sheep's clothing as Christian because he's very attractive. Like right. I would if I were Danny, like I get it, but like, <laughs> yeah. um, I but like also he's like part disgusting. Of it. So like then like the, the bear is sort of like his true form, right? Like he's like this, he's actually like this monstrous hulking beast that is like slowing everyone down and like stealing yeah. from them because bears steal from campers all the time. Have you ever been camping? They'll steal your fish. <laughs> they will. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the bear is like the dark beast from like one of the stories that they told who's like they have to banish um, in order for the tribe to survive. And I think that is part of it here that they're revealing his true form by putting him in the bear, like showing that he's um, he's like a predator or someone like stealing from people and making their lives miserable and like revealing that side of him before they burn him alive. I just feel bad for the bear. Yeah. The bear didn't do anything. The bear didn't do anything to be killed like that. I mean, I don't actually know that. Maybe the bear like killed a kid like a day before this movie took place, but like Yeah. Who knows? I it seems like the bear didn't really do anything. I don't even know if they have like brown bears in Sweden. I don't know. But like uh I mean, I'm sure they do, obviously. This is I'm being facetious. But like <laughs> I I just feel like I, I feel like that bear didn't deserve what happened to it. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, agree. Justice for the bear. Justice for bears. You know what? Justice for bears. I say this as both an animal rights advocate and a gay man. Justice for bears. <laughs> all the bears. We're we're bringing the bears back from the child's play episode. No justice for those bears, though. Oh, no justice for those bears. You know, I kind of thought about that. Like, I was like, <laughs> why are bears like a fixture right now? Can we get some bear horror? Is that the next creature feature horror wave? Are we getting bears? We've had them before, I'm pretty sure. I think there's a movie about a grizzly bear. But Have you ever seen Grizzly Man? <laughs> it's like a real life horror. Help. Um, <laughs> yikes. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing. Um, so we've, I mean, we've alluded a lot to like, moments in this movie that were like so bizarre the whole audience laughed i think an important part of this movie is that it is just like very funny like it is frequently hilarious and it's like At intentionally times, yeah. funny like it's yeah. not like even like some of the horrifying moments are like kind of like all you can do is laugh like it's like i don't know how else to react right now like even like <laughs> in the scene where like he's in a bear costume about to be burned alive they just like pan out and you see him sitting there immobile in this big 
cut open bear and he has like this doofy look on his face and it's like what the fuck like <laughs> like yeah. it's like it's like absurd and it's funny like but it's like also like i'm laughing and also like i kind of want to die now because this is really upsetting like and i feel like ari aster toyed with humor some in hereditary like not really very much though like it was mostly like alex wolf's like you know like some of his stuff was kind of funny but like and this one, like, he's, like, really, like, pointing out that, like, humor and horror are very, very connected. And I think it works really, really well. Like, yeah, I, very effective. Like, going from, like, laughing to being, like, truly horrified is pretty... I mean, like, it's a great whiplash to induce in an audience. Like... Yeah, I feel like the way you described it is perfect, too. Like, um, you don't know what else to do but laugh. Like, just some of those moments are just so truly awkward or bizarre they're just like what okay exactly like yeah like that sex scene in particular um and just like a lot of the more graphic violent scenes like definitely some people laughed when those old people jumped off the cliff and (laughs) that's kind of a horrifying scene but also i did something yeah that was that was brutal i mean I mean, what made that brutal, though, was, like, in the moments beforehand, so the way it works is, like, there's, like, this ceremony where the old people who are definitely about to die come out last for a feast, and they take this, like, special drink, and they, like, raise a toast. And, like, during that sequence, you can see the old woman who's about to kill herself, like, there's, like, a moment where she definitely doesn't want to do it. Like, like, you see this, like, look at her eyes, and she's, like, looking upset, and it's like, she does not want to be doing this. She resolves herself to do it in the end, obviously. But, like, there's definitely, like, this, this like, weird time at the feast table where she, like, is not convinced. And I'm like, this is really upsetting. Right. There was this air um, over the whole thing. Like, it's this great honor that they're having, and yet they don't really want it. Like, it's not really a good thing. Which is, like, yeah. why, what makes the whole movie complicated. Because, like, if you want to, like, look at it with a simplistic view, it's, like, this allegorical story of a girl who's been through a lot and has this terrible boyfriend deciding to move on from her past. Like, um, which yeah. brings me back to Toy Story 4. Um, and so... <laughs> and we've come full circle. We this sure been buzzed have. on movies. Uh, Thank you. Uh, catch you next week. Uh, no. So she... Like, like, you could look at it that simply... You know, like, it's just, it's about this girl deciding to move forward. And I think that is, like, an important part of the story. And I think that's what makes it so powerful. And, like, why, like, after the movie, when I was, like, writing my little letterbox review, I was, like, getting emotional. Because, like, you know, like, that is a powerful concept to to do in horror. It's just, like, about moving on from the past. And to do it well like that. Yeah. But it's also, like, the community that she's choosing to move on with is not necessarily good. And, like, you know, I mean, what's good and what's bad is, like, subjective. And, like, I I can't make that choice for everyone. Yada, yada, yada. But just, like, the look in a person's eyes when they know they're about to literally, like, break their body and, like, into multiple pieces by jumping off of a giant cliff when they they seem to be perfectly healthy. Not necessarily in their prime because they're 72, but, like, kind of, I mean, if there is a prime at 72, that woman looked it. Yeah. So they're both like, fine, yeah. Yeah, like you know, I don't know, like I wouldn't want to join that community. Like if she's that healthy at 72, she should be able to keep going. 
Like, so I don't know. I think that it's like, it's one of those things that's, I mean, the movie is just very complicated because it's like, on the one hand, you're very excited to see Danny just like say, fuck you to this dude. But then it's like, oh, but you're saying fuck you to join this community that like kills everyone at 72, murders anyone who like pees on a tree, like (laughs) murders Josh for, honestly, I don't know why. I guess it's because he's taking photos of their scripture. Yeah, that's why. But really, I mean, so part of it is like you see them get killed throughout the movie and it's always for like one reason or another, like, um, you know, Mark was peeing on the tree or something like that. But then at the end, you know, it's revealed that they needed to kill these people for the ritual. So like, even if they'd been angels, they still would have been killed. And that like, that was their whole purpose there to begin with. So like the community is doing more than just punishing bad behavior. They're like specifically bringing people here to kill them. Right. That's when you got to be like, Oh, like this is more than just like a little bad. Like there's some, some serious trouble here. Like, of course that's only every 90 years. Right. Virtually nobody in the cult who is living at the point of Midsummer will see the next Midsummer Festival. Nobody, because they all die at 72. And so 90 years from then, they'll all be dead. So if they only do it every 90 years, like it would be possible for some people to never experience one. Absolutely. I get, but like, how does that work? That's what makes it such a big deal. Yeah. Because some people never experience this. It's like a comet in our, you know, our world. Some of us never experience a major comet. Right. And obviously a comet is not nearly as exciting as this nine day death festival. But like. (laughs) Is it your understanding that they all commit suicide at 72, regardless of whether it's during a midsummer? Like, it's just whenever their year comes. It seemed like it. It said because like he makes a um, Pele makes that joke where it's like he's like at this age you do this at this age you do this at seventy two this happens and somebody's like well what happens when you're above seventy two and he just like draws that you know he does that (laughs) yeah um like I'm pretty sure they all die at seventy two regardless right yeah now I think that there might be some like leniency on when in the seventy second year they die like it's not like you turn seventy two and die which is why I think like something like this 90 year festival could happen. Like these people had probably been 72 for like a few months, you know? Right. Yeah. It's probably like whenever you hit that certain time of year, but you can't reach 73. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's the rule or something. Um, I don't really know, but also that's upsetting. Very much. so. I don't want to have to die at 72. Like, I don't know if I want to be 75 either, but like if I'm feeling good at 72, I want to keep going. So, yeah, exactly. Want to have that option? And like the but, the people who are killing themselves at seventy two aren't doing it because it's you know they're feeling tired or they're feeling sick. It's because it's you know it's a specific number that's been pre-selected. That's upsetting. That's all I have to say on that. That's upsetting. Yeah. Overall, what are your thoughts on Midsummer? You liked it? What was your compared to Hereditary? Oh, um, I think I liked it even more than Hereditary, actually. Interesting. Um, you might be the only person saying that. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I, I loved Hereditary. Let me make that clear. Um, absolutely loved it. Thought it was really cool and original and very like 
scary, anxiety-inducing, everything. But this one, I don't know, just like I, I just really liked um like pretty much everything about it. The sound was amazing. Like it, it was incredible to hear the sound design in like a proper theater. They would have like this incredible bass that was used during the more anxious scenes to sort of drive that feeling. Um, the visuals were incredible. I just, I really liked everything about um, like the always daytime look pretty much and, and the costumes and the flowers and everything just created a very specific feel for it. Um, and just overall the way that it, like manipulated your emotions and um anxieties just i thought was so masterfully done so yeah i i think i i did like it more and and i definitely liked it a lot overall i mean i loved it i thought it was great i um i think i like hereditary more i think i mean i just like that hereditary scared me more honestly hereditary like kept me up at night this did not I'm yeah. I'm not going to lose sleep over Midsummer. Um but I can see what you mean. I mean, I think the message of Midsummer hit harder for me. You know, I think that hereditary I mean, I've experienced family loss and I know what that's like, but I don't I feel like I don't know, Midsummer just like felt like closer to home. So I feel like on like an emotional level, I resonated more with Midsummer. Right. Yeah, and I, I do think that's part of what makes it, uh, it... It's a horror in sort of an unconventional sense. Like, yeah, the cult's supposed to be scary and all that, but what, what's really scary about it is like how it makes you think about loss and anxiety and grief and like all those things that you can feel in real life that you don't need a creepy uh, commune to inflict on you. Yeah, I think there's um an important distinction to be made in horror. Like, I don't know, like, I get why people expect horror to scare them every single time, but I think sometimes something can be horrifying without being, like, nightmare-inducing. Like, right. you know, um, and I, th I think that Midsummer is horrifying, but it's not, like, scary. Like, you, I don't know, like, I, I mean, like, there are some jump scares, and there are moments that I, like, I was like, oh, God, that's frightening. But I was never, like... I don't know. I never like, you know, like in hereditary, there are moments where it's like all out terror. Like you're like, I am scared to be right here right now watching Tony Collette crawl across the ceiling. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not okay in this moment. That doesn't really happen in Midsummer the same way. And I think that's okay. It's still a horror film. Like this is a very horrifying movie. Um, and I think horror doesn't necessarily have to be the sort of thing that like, you know, like legitimately like scares you and makes you afraid to turn out the lights at night. Right. Hereditary was that. Midsummer is not. And maybe Ari Aster's next movie will be more like Hereditary. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Um, but I I think they're both valid forms of horror. I think there's like a lot of people who like I've had a lot of friends who saw it and they're like, well, it's not as scary as Hereditary. And I'm like, I don't know why that's your like judgment line for this film. It doesn't have to be as scary as there are other yeah. types of good movies that are all horror, like I mean, I don't know. I don't think like I'm I don't know what I, I don't think Friday the 13th part one is as scary as the ring, but I think they're both very good. Like, 
Yeah. (laughs) I I ended up having this discussion with Lauren after the movie because she didn't find it scary. Uh, And yeah, that's basically the position I was taking. Like a horror movie doesn't necessarily have to be scary. I think what makes horror horror is that it plays on your uh, like your fears and it plays on your emotions. Um, And it does that maybe through scaring you outright, but maybe also by just making you think about dark things and uh, stuff that's happened in your life. And I think either way can be a valid way to approaching horror. Horror is sort of like a flip side to comedy in that regard. Whereas, you know, something might not be laugh out loud funny, but you can still appreciate like a black comedy or a surreal comedy as a comedy because it's something that like plays with your emotions in a very specific sort of way. Absolutely. I completely agree. I th- I think it's like, I don't know. I think Ari Aster is doing something interesting with horror with this movie. And I think that like, that should be applauded, not like decried for not being like as scary as X, Y, Z. Like, yeah, I know it's not like Michael Myers is coming to murder people. That's like truly terrifying. And we're all like going to lose sleep over Michael Myers. Yeah. Like, but like, it's still like a horror film and it's very horrifying to watch. And, and I mean, yeah, like the true horror of Midsummer is not necessarily the death cult. It's like watching this girl, like subjugate herself to this man for no reason. Like, (laughs) but like, that's a valid form of horror too. And probably one that a lot of people who are watching this movie can relate to. So I don't know. Yeah. I I really like it. I thought it was very good. When I first came out of it, I like, I knew I liked it, but I thought I liked it like less than I did. I was like, oh, that was kind of like, okay, that was good. But it wasn't like, I'm not going to like rave about it. And then like the more I thought about it, I was like, I fucking love this movie. (laughs) I know. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely one of those ones that grows on you as you think about it more. And it's definitely one that I found myself thinking about for like days afterwards. I'm just like, I thought about it a lot. That's a good movie. I keep picturing Danny in that big flower dress. I just see it for the (laughs) rest of my life. I was yeah. like, I want that dress. I don't know where I'd ever wear it, but <laughs> I want it. So um, maybe to my wedding. I could wear the midsummer dress to my wedding. My future spouse is going to be terrified. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'll just hang like an, an empty bear carcass like in the corner too. Like, it's yeah. going to be fun tonight. No, your spouse would have to wear the bear. Would... Oh my gosh, maybe I'll have a midsummer themed wedding. Yes, here we go. You heard it here first. It's going to happen. Oh my gosh, I could burn someone alive. I've always wanted (laughs) to burn someone. Um, Well, maybe we won't go that far. Okay. (laughs) Teddy, don't get too worried. It's not going to be you. Um, (laughs) Well, thank God. Um, One thing that I thought was noteworthy about this movie is, um, as we're wrapping up here, the runtime, it's very long. It's It's extremely long. Two and a half hours. And normally... Um, when I say like a movie that long is good, it means that you don't feel the runtime. Like if you can go into a two and a half hour, three hour movie and just sort of breeze through it and it feels like nothing, that's a good movie. But this one kind of takes the opposite approach and makes you like really feel every minute of that runtime to the extent that it feels like it's probably longer than two and a half hours, but it's like for a good reason 
Like it feels yeah, like yeah. A, like a journey when you've come out of that thing. You're like, whoa. Uh, it's it reminds me kind of of um, watching Mother. Um, oh also, God! Like really made you feel the runtime. God, I, I love Mother. I don't think Mother um, was even that long, but it just felt so long because it was like an inexorable process that you couldn't extract yourself from. Mother was another horror film that is not like scary but it's like it is a horrifying movie and Absolutely. watching that is horrifying <laughs> like um um so yeah no i actually i absolutely agree with what you've just said i think the movie like intentionally made itself very long like like you there are scenes that are like drawn out like the cliff jumping scene where it's like this could have been done by any other director in like five minutes or whatever you know like very briefly but with Ari Aster he's like making us watch this whole thing happening we know what's gonna happen we can feel it and he's still drawing it out like and I think that's really I mean I think that's like a part of the movie I I think you're supposed to like feel that like slow creeping dread for a lot of it where it's like you know there's an inevitability to everything that's happening here and you can't stop it and nobody else is stopping it so you're just forced to watch it play out. Yeah. Which is like upsetting. I mean, that's like part of what makes it a horror film. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like, honestly, it uses the runtime to turn itself into a horror film, which is pretty impressive um, because most of us do want to see shorter movies. So using the runtime against us is good for Ari Aster, but also, wow. <laughs> it's a bold move. It's a bold, bold move. move. Um um so uh anything else you wanted to hit on before we move on not with this movie i just want to say that i'm very excited for whatever ari aster has next i'm stoked i don't know what it is but i'm ready and he can make anything he wants and i'm gonna go see it at this point i mean i know it's only been two movies but he's proven himself and i'm excited more than enough and more than a deserving follow-up to hereditary and it seems that he's sort of building on some of the themes from Hereditary as well. So it'll be interesting to see if he continues to explore the same themes or moves in a completely different direction. Yeah, I mean, direction. he clearly has like a penchant for talking about grief and loss. Um, I hope, I mean, just like on a personal level, I hope that whatever demons he's trying to exercise by writing about grief and loss, he has <laughs> sort of worked through um, because yeah. I know how that goes. And I, I do think that like, when somebody who is an auteur like like Ari Aster is making movies with similar themes, like that usually means they're going through it. Um, yeah. So like, you know, I, I hope for his sake that his next movie doesn't have to be about such a heavy topic. Um, but apparently he wrote this movie after a bad breakup and you could definitely see it on the screen. Uh, yeah, this movie is about a bad breakup. Um <laughs> God, but that's what makes the movie so powerful. It's just like, yes, it's about grief and loss of the most severe level, but also on a very basic level, it's about the sort of breakup that we have all fucking been through. Like, you know, like codependency and shit like that. We have all de- dealt with that. Like, and so like, that's what makes like this movie so good. Um, So, so, but again, for Ari Aster's sake, I hope his next movie can be about like, I don't know, like a more colloquial horror that, you know, we don't have to like, write personal essays for college about um <laughs> yeah <so laughs> we hope you're doing well ari yes <laughs> so with that uh let's move into slightly lighter fare and talk about crawl oh 
I'm so ready. This movie just came out. Um, already seems to be doing pretty well, I think. It's got and surprise- it's getting good reviews. Yeah, surprisingly good reviews for not just a horror, but like a pretty, pretty solidly a B horror, at least in style and subject matter. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Crawl is the latest from Ale- is it Alexander or Alexandre? Alexandre Aha. Aha. He directed Aha. the Hills Have Eyes remake, which if you are not a fan of, you need to reshape your worldview because <laughs> you should be a fan of that the Hills Have Eyes remake. Um Go check it out if you haven't seen it. That one is really, really something. So it, what I love about that movie and what I love about Crawl and just like Aha's like body of work is like the way he establishes setting. I think that he's like really good at creating a setting that feels super realistic and gritty and disgusting and awesome. Like he's just like very good at doing this. So anyway, but we'll come back to that. This movie takes place in Florida um, because of course it does. And it's set in like a hurricane setting where a girl basically she is a swimmer at the university of florida which is very fitting chomp and chomp 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 um i really oh my god we'll come back to this <laughs> she she is a swimmer and there's a hurricane coming and it's been upgraded to like a really terrible hurricane level like it's going to be Can bad yeah. yeah and so her sister can't get in touch with their father and they're worried that maybe her dad is stuck somewhere and can't get out, like can't evacuate, like has been mandated. They're all supposed to evacuate this town. And so she drives from Gainesville, like two hours deeper into Florida or whatever to go like find her father and get him out of there and ultimately gets stuck in their childhood home, which is supposed to have been sold, but hasn't been to like, you know, to save her father, but while she's down there, there's a bunch of alligators attacking them. And it's like <laughs> a bunch of alligators. Like you think it's one at first, and it's like a mean ass alligator, but then it turns out there's like seven alligators swimming around this house. And it's like <laughs> it's like something you've never seen before. It's like when they pan out and you just see alligators swimming through the water, I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I've been to Florida. It's not like this. Um, oh, there's so many alligators in this movie. It's ridiculous. I also love that it's specifically alligators because like I don't know when i think of them i think crocodiles are meaner for some reason that's just like an internal bias i have like gators seem like like less less mean but whatever um i guess gators are more of an imminent threat in it's also gators let them use that awesome chance to open at the university of florida which is like the funniest (laughs) fucking like i was like oh it's in florida oh my god (laughs) And they like, like I'd seen the trailer a million times and I was like, man, this movie looks good. I am so ready. Um, And then like when the movie opened and mind you, I'd had like six beers and a pickleback at this point. (laughs) And so like, I'm like, I'm like good to go. I'm very excited. And the movie opens and it says University of Florida Gainesville. I literally clapped and cheered. I was like, this is fucking amazing. You are (laughs) A movie about gators eating people set at the school, the home of the Florida Gators. Thank you. This yep. is so on the nose. Like, <laughs> this is a B movie. Like, it knows it's a B movie at that point. And that's like the first sequence. So, yeah, they, they knocked it out of the park from the first couple shots there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's really just sums up the plot 
right there is just they're they're trapped in the crawl space of this house and there's a bunch of gators and there's a hurricane coming uh oh it's not just coming it's there oh yeah it is there crawl space is flooding they're trying to get out but trying to not get eaten by the gators uh very simple plot but they do so much with it it's so much fun it's worth noting that this movie is only an hour and 27 minutes yeah which is like amazing and like the exact opposite of hereditary i guess um (laughs) like it's just like it's lean the movie like the action escalates itself pretty quickly um you're not boggled down with a bunch of like mindless shit like you could be in some like worse horror movies um it's just like this girl uh played by Kea Scodelario who like maybe has never been better I don't know I've only seen her in the Maze Runner movies um okay so and she's like fine there but like Dylan O'Brien's in those movies and I gotta say he's like the star so he's the star of like every screen he's in at any given time he's just like beautiful and very good so She's also in them and she's fine. But here she's like very good. And this is like her prime. Like, I don't know what else she wants to do with her future, but she should do like a B horror for the rest of her life. <laughs> she's extremely good in this movie. She's like compelling. She's interesting to watch. Like she's, I don't know. She's like emotionally moving, which is surprising given that this is a movie about alligators eating people. Um, yeah. <laughs> Like, but it's also a movie about family, and that's what makes it so touching. It is a movie about family. It's a movie about a father and daughter. Right. Um, it's a family story. Um, love that. Love that <laughs> for, for Crawl, as it's called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's just so many great uh, alligator eating people scenes in this Yeah, movie. what was your favorite alligator eating people scene? What was like your favorite I guess death is really what I'm asking. Right. Um well, I mean, if we're going by a scene, uh, if we're going by death, it's kind of hard to narrow it down, but my favorite scene which happened kind of early on and was hard to top after then was when uh the the group of 3 that was looting the convenience store across the street got attacked by a whole bunch of gators while they were in that boat. (laughs) My favorite part about that scene was that like when they're getting attacked, it's revealed that the white girl had dreads. I gotta say that was (laughs) fucking hilarious. Like it was just like, they've been like these like people looting a store and it's like yada, yada, yada. And then the girl's getting attacked and her hood flies off and she's just like this white girl with dreads. And I was like, Jesus, of course you are. (laughs) Um, like, um, I thought that was very funny. Um, I did like that scene too. My favorite death had to be, it's kind of spoiled in the trailers, but it's like when the cops show up and you have the cop who's like looking down into the cellar and we all know he gets eaten out of the cellar and that's like fine. But his friend who's like trying to get back to the boat, (laughs) (laughs) it's like a running to the boat and he's like in like waist deep water because it's flooding everywhere because they're in Florida in a hurricane. And so like, also, that's a crazy thing about the state of Florida. When there's a hurricane, just like the whole state goes underwater and everyone thinks this is a normal place to live. Anyway, <laughs> totally like normal. he's running across the water and 
he like gets attacked by the alligator and it picks him up and it throws him and the other alligator grabs him out of the water (laughs) and then it doesn't end there he falls into the water and like there are like four alligators around him and they just rip him apart (laughs) like you see his head come off and i was like what the fuck (laughs) that was one of those this man like (laughs) fuck that guy in particular um that was one of those scenes where I was just like, how many gators are in the water? Like it had, it had everywhere. to be like six or seven were like in the water around this house at given at any given time because they killed like three or four variously throughout the movie. Like, plus there were still others like, yeah. <laughs> um, cause like they kill them. Like you get some shovel deaths. I loved the, like the flare in the eyeball death. There's like that part where like that alligator takes like seven bullets through the throat and is still kicking. Um, yeah, when uh when her arm with the gun is like inside his mouth, chomped down, and she's shooting it inside the gator. <laughs> that was a good scene. That was like very good. She just like turns with the gun in her hand and like just shoves it down his throat. I was like, we're just like here um like and she's just like firing and screaming and i was like thank you thank you (laughs) i really enjoyed that sequence um but it like it just like kept going it's like you're getting shot like you were like the bullets are flying through you and you're just fine with it like tough yeah that i mean that was that was up there. I don't know what my like single favorite sequence was, although the dad getting his arm ripped off <laughs> was also pretty good. Yeah. Oh Cuz that God. was brutal. Like there was like some some grisly violence in this movie, but a lot of it sort of like happened like just beneath the surface of water, so like it was like kind of like right. You know, like, like a- it, it there was like a a filter you know, like you a lot of the seeing... gator bites, you didn't really see like torn flesh or anything. You just sort of saw a lot of blood. Mm. Right. But with the father's arm, <laughs> you see his arm like bend fully backwards. It's just like an arm should not bend like that. That's yeah. bone. You um, see the bone snap. The father the honestly seat. gets like the worst of it. You get to see his arm get bent backwards and ripped off. And you also when the movie opens, he's laying in the crawl space with his like his bone cracked fully in half and his bone yeah. sticking out of his leg. And you have to watch him like snap it back into place. Yeah, that scene was really gruesome. I remember during <laughs> that scene, I'm like, I'm sitting there. That's pretty early in the movie. So I haven't started to sober up yet. And I'm just like <laughs> sitting there like fully drunk watching this sequence happen. I'm like gripping. I have an orange vanilla Coke Zero. And I'm like holding it very tightly. I literally spill it on my shirt in this scene. Oh my God. And like, because I was like raising it to drink and then it was all happening. And like, I'm like sitting there like, oh my God. And he's just like slowly snapping the bone into place. And the people next to me are like screaming. And I'm like, okay, we're all going to be okay. It's all going (laughs) to, it's, it's good. We're not doing this. Like, we're fine. Thank God. Yeah. It was really upsetting. Dad played by Barry Pepper as well. Always yes. glad to see him in something. Um, acting overall was pretty good in this. Uh, I was surprised to discover that this film was actually filmed in Serbia. What? Like, yeah. Did you catch that in the credits? I can't believe it's we're like... going back to Serbia after a Serbian <laughs> film. Um... Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is a Serbian film, I guess. Well, it's Don't shot in that. Serbia. Don't say um, that. Like the entire crew was Serbian, apparently, judging by the names in the credits. I didn't stay for the credits because I had to pee so badly. <laughs> Because as you may have missed, I was drunk and I drank Coke. Oh, um, that orange vanilla Coke Zero, yeah, yeah we'll get you. You know what? I chugged an orange vanilla Coke Zero. Um, I had a reward on my AMC account. Of course, I'm going to get a soda, but um, I did not notice that. That's really why is that? That doesn't make any sense. Is it because they're like not filming in Georgia anymore? But this movie was filmed before the Georgia stuff happened. Yeah, I just assumed that it was cheaper to film it there. I don't know. But you would think filming a movie about alligators in the American South, Georgia is like a, I mean, that's literally like Georgia is alligators in the American South. So I don't. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense to make it in Georgia. I think there was some stuff that was done outside of Serbia, but it was definitely like the principal photography was in Serbia. Is that, that's not where Aha's from, is it? I don't think so. I think he's French. Yeah, I, I, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. I was like, it's not like one of those weird things where it's just like, oh, it's his home country. Right. But I guess not. That's really weird. I don't know why it was filmed there then. Yeah, strange. Doesn't make maybe, any sense. Maybe it was financed in Serbia or something. I just looked I at know. Alexander Aha and I, Aha, and I wish I hadn't. Um, <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Shockingly, this movie has only made $18.2 million off of a $13.5 million budget so far. I guess that's not shockingly, because it's only been one weekend. Yeah. But I want it to, like, triple its budget, you know? Like, um, I want this movie to make money because it's very, very good. It's just, like, yeah. it's very good. It's it's really fun. It's, like, the sort of movie where that I'm going to buy on Blu-ray, and I'm going <laughs> to watch it, like, every summer. Like, I'm... I'm going to every time late summer rolls around and it's hurricane season, I'm going to watch crawl. Like, yeah, it definitely has a good summer vibe to it. Yeah. Like, and there's like, there are definite drinking games to be built out of this movie. Like you can watch this on repeat just for like the absurdity of it. It's like a creature feature, which I love. I want to bring back good creature features, Um, which, which was, when was the last good creature feature that we'd had? God. Yeah. Was it the host, which is like a weird creature feature? It's not even like a real creature. It's just very like weird. a giant monster. That's um, a very unconventional monster movie. Um, like, yeah, I don't and, know. and I mean like a real one. I don't mean like Sharknado, which like does not. <laughs> I was thinking of Sharknado, but that's like, yeah. That's but like, like Sharknado doesn't one. take itself seriously at all. Like Crawl doesn't take itself so seriously that you can't like it. Like. But it definitely like sees itself as like a viable film, like right, you know. Um, it's not. Whereas it's like not. Sharknado, it's like no, we think we're a joke. Like that whole thing, the whole movie of Sharknado is just like a joke about how bad, cheap of a movie you can release and then still have people see it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, th- I I do think that this movie takes itself at least a little bit seriously. I mean, it's there's definitely it it's definitely played up as a bit of a B movie. You know, there's some goofy over the top parts, but it's, it's played mostly straight. And exactly. Uh, yeah. I think and it I works think pretty well. Thing. Yeah. I'd like to see more of that. 
I don't know. It's hard to do because like creature features are no longer. I don't know. We're just like not as scared of animals as we once were. (laughs) Yeah. Like like you couldn't make Anaconda right now and nobody would take it seriously. But. Although honestly shocking Anaconda has not been remade. Yeah. You'd think that that would come around at some point, but you know, like you said, they're they're not really in vogue right now. If was J Lo and Anaconda? I think so. It yeah. was somebody like that. Like yeah, okay, I'm not crazy. Musician. Okay. Yeah. Um I'm sure we will get an Anaconda remake, just so we're all clear. I'm calling it here first. Um they're remaking everything else. Anaconda will be remade. I don't know okay. which pop star it will star. Probably like Iggy Azalea. That just seems like <laughs> the obvious choice here. Um, or Rita Ora. <laughs> Iggy Azalea. Now there's a throwback. Um, a throwback? She was like trending on Twitter today. Really? Yeah. Do tell. Well, she's like apparently at her next concert tour, she's having a twerk pit. Not a not a mosh pit, <laughs> a twerk pit. Oh my God. And I was like, you know what? I forgot that Iggy Azalea existed. Thank you, Twitter. Um, on the same day that the House is calling for a vote on whether or not Trump is a racist, <laughs> we also have to talk about, is Iggy Azalea having a twerk pit? Yes. These are the issues of our times. Welcome to 2019. Um, I can't believe Iggy Azalea was trending on Twitter today. You're right. You're right. That yeah. is a throwback because I think she's only had one song ever in the history of her life. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we got on this topic, but yeah, I I predict that Anaconda will be remade by 2022 uh, and will star Cardi B. That is my. Ooh, I would watch that. <laughs> Cardi B just playing herself. Like it's just like Cardi B, just totally because um, I love no just her. Just... I don't. I honestly, I have never. I'm like ninety percent positive. I've never heard a Cardi B song in my life, but I love her, and I want her to like have everything in the world. <laughs> and I think that I would go see that movie in a heartbeat because she's amazing, based right. on social media. Um, <laughs> Let's make it happen. So. Hollywood, that's a freebie for you. Go yeah. get that down. Everybody would go see the Cardi B Anaconda, Anaconda remake. She has to survive, though. I don't want to see her die by Anaconda. So <laughs> yeah. um, she has to, like, kill the Anaconda. Like, she has to, like, behead it with, like, a massive sword. Um, <laughs> ooh, ooh. ooh. Or, or it could star Nicki Minaj, and they could play Oh, Anaconda. my God. That's perfect, because Anaconda and Anaconda. Yeah. It should star Nicki Minaj, but also Sir Mix-a-Lot. <laughs> they should be the dual stars. It should be both of them. And, like, the whole thing is, like, they're both trying to escape this anaconda. But, like, like it's, like, some weird thing where it's, like, the lifeboat only fits one person. And so, like, they have to, like, vie for a spot on this lifeboat or something. And so, like, they're fighting for it. And there's, like, the anaconda attacking them. But in the end, they come together somehow. Because, like, obviously they're friends because he let her sample his song. But like, right. you know, that's what should happen. That's how it should go. They so. they bond through music and come together to defeat the anaconda that they've been singing the, about all along. The rest of the cast is just emo kids who had snake bites when they were younger. <laughs> they all die. <laughs> the, all, all the emo kids die. 
yes yeah at least uh, one of them just gets their lips ripped off and bleeds out but oh god that'd be terrible wouldn't it i've never seen that happen in a horror movie just somebody get their lips ripped off so putting that out into the world let's no. do it horror i've definitely seen piercings get ripped out in some horror movies oh my god what was oh my god i'm thinking about a uh, green inferno that happens oh that does it's a that's, septum it's a septum that seems like something Eli Roth would do. I um, remember I was watching that and like, <laughs> I, it was like a date. And so first of all, I'm watching Green Inferno on a date, which tells you what it's <laughs> like to date me. Yes. Um, <laughs> Welcome to dating Matt. I'm like, dating me means watching a movie where a girl has violent diarrhea. So um, <laughs> we were watching this movie and like the whole movie we've been like, oh, that's gross, whatever, whatever. And then it it's like a very quick moment. Somebody turns around, rips out the septum piercing, and we both like, he like flung himself off my couch. Like, <laughs> I like, I screamed and I was oh like, we have seen so much violence. This is like the last, this is like the climactic sequence of the movie. Like, I'm like, we've seen so much already. This should be nothing. But somehow it's just like a septum piercing getting ripped out. It was just like, no! <laughs> One of those horrible visceral things where you can just like feel it happening to you. You're like, no. You really yeah. You um, there's there's a scene in uh, Punisher where um, the bad guy is Which tortured. Punisher? There's like so many Punishers. Oh, I, th I think it's the original... Um, movie from the 2000s okay. um where they uh the bad guys torture this guy who has like the original movie of... is not from the 2000s but continue uh, i mean the, whatever the one they made in the 2000s the <laughs> one that came the one that came before punisher war zone okay oh, um, okay yeah 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 that was just called punisher yes. um so uh, and the, the bad guys are torturing this guy who's got like a ton of facial piercings by just like pulling him out with pliers uh yeah. Oh, that's you don't really see a lot of it, but you see the aftermath of it, and it's like, oh, god, that's terrible. Yeah, I don't need that. I really oh, yeah. don't need that. Mm -mm. Just so you're clear, there is a 1989 Punisher movie, right? Yeah, I was, I was sure that there was like an older adaptation but it's honestly shocking that there weren't more 80s Punisher adaptations because the Punisher is like pure 80s action. Like, yeah, it's like uh, like Death Wish kind of. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, Death Wish. Remember the Death Wish remake? I know that just happened like last year, <laughs> but remember that? I still can't believe that that movie got remade in the 2010s, especially in the way that it was remade. I mean, speaking of Eli God. Roth, I mean, <laughs> Eli. Yeah. Oh, Eli. Um, Yeah. So but we've gone on a tangent from Crawl. We, we, quite the tangent, in fact. Yes. Uh, it was now. a good tangent. I think people will enjoy this tangent. Um, we, we looped on to Eli Roth at least twice, so we, we got that covered. Um, I was about to say, honestly, we've never covered an Eli Roth movie, so it makes sense. <laughs> like, we did Hostel. We um, literally did, like, the most iconic Eli Roth movie. But, okay, yeah, Cabin yeah. Fever might be the most iconic Eli Roth movie, but yeah. I feel like people don't remember Cabin Fever as much these days. Like uh, my roommate, one of my roommates literally said within the first like five days of me living here that his favorite horror movie was Cabin Fever. So it's a good one. I like it. It's yeah, got like I was a like, weird... that's very shocking because it's like very funny. Like it's it ridiculous. Walks, it walks a very strange line between 
horror and comedy where it's not really a horror comedy, but there's still so much comedy in it that it's like, what's going on here? That's a very strange movie. I love Cabin Fever. Maybe someday we can cover Cabin Fever and the remake and all of the sequels. The Pancake Kid scene. Um, Don't say it. Don't bring it up. (laughs) Don't talk about it. I don't want to hear about it. Pancakes! Have you seen Uh, Cabin Fever Patient Zero starring Sean Astin, a.k.a. Samwise Gamgee? Because I have. (laughs) I don't think I have. I I think I've seen Cabin Fever 2, but I do not think I've seen that one. I've seen, I think I've seen every Cabin Fever movie. So I actually think I've seen every Eli Roth movie, is really what it is. But wow. so, like, when so Cabin Fever was connected to Eli Roth, so I watched the whole franchise, you know? Right. But Crawl, <laughs> the, the movie we are reviewing, um, yeah, Crawl. It's just like so good. Like you don't really like, like there's not a lot of like deep conversation to be had about it. Um Yeah. It's just kind of it's one of those ones you just gotta see. Gotta it's, see it. It's fun. It's a it's a it's a monster movie. There is some like like there's like a thematic arc here. It's about like this girl who's like parents had a divorce and like or no, the mom died, I guess. I don't really know. No, they got divorced. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um See, that shows how much the thematic arc I'm trying to bring up actually matters. So Yeah, um, it, it really, like, it's it's there for uh, to give them something to talk about, but it's not But it not really, really is, like, the, the estrangement between father and daughter does matter. Like, and so, like, they got a divorce, and the daughter and father are not as close as they used to be. And, like, that does matter to this movie. Yeah. So... And that's, again, that's relatable. Like, a lot of people can connect to, like, split parents, you know? So. Yeah, and part of it's, like, um, obviously the dad was, like, attached to the house, which is why he was there in the first place trying to save it. um, Because it's, like, the last remnant of their life that they had together as a family. Um, Exactly. obviously part of the whole movie is this house is gradually filling with water. um, And it's clear by the end of it, like there's no way this house is going to be livable at the end of this. Like it's going to be useful. Uh, it's going to be useless. Um, but also they're literally drowning in their old house. They're drowning in their past and they need to escape it. They need to move on. And so part of it's gotta be like, they have to be ready to give this house up. They have to escape alive. And that's what matters. Not whatever's in the house. There also is a very funny scene where, they get out of the basement and they get to a boat through some ridiculous shenanigans, but then a huge wave comes by and washes the boat right back into the house. Oh yeah. That's really fucking good. It just like (laughs) they get in the boat and immediately just like the wave just like crashes the boat straight through the wall. Like (laughs) great. It's like, well, now they're back in the house. That's actually the sequence that leads to dad getting his arm ripped off. So yeah. Yeah, because they're still gators upstairs now. Um, it's very Jumanji. Somehow that dog survives the whole movie. Because that dog is a friend. Also yeah. because movies have like... So like, dogs in horror used to always die. We all know this. Yeah, that would be like the first sign that something was wrong. Exactly. And then it became a trope that dogs always died. 
So now horror is trying to react to it by like introducing a dog and then not killing it. Yeah. And now it's a trope to not kill the dog. It's like <laughs> maybe the pets shouldn't be a signifier that something bad is happening. Maybe find something else to do altogether. Right. Uh, I was pretty sure that I saw the dog die in the trailer, uh, but apparently that didn't happen. I felt like the trailer was actually pretty good at not really giving away a lot of what was going on. Like, it wasn't clear from the trailer that there were multiple alligators there. Yeah, I thought it was one alligator in the trailer. (laughs) Yeah, and they also really didn't show a lot that didn't happen in, like, the first half hour. So pretty much all they showed was, like, them getting caught in the basement and discovering there was a gator and then like the cop showing up and getting attacked by the gator. And like, that was pretty much it. You didn't get to see like any of the third act, which I thought was really nice to have that kept as a surprise. Absolutely. Yeah. It was smart. It was a good choice. Love that. Love when a trailer like holds back and gets you excited to see the movie without giving it all away. I love that just like smart horror trailers. Like some trailers just like intentionally mislead or hold back a lot. Like Crawl held back a lot. Um, it gave you enough to be like pretty excited about it. Like I remember every trailer, I was like, yes, I will be seeing this fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, and then you look at like Ari Aster like doing Midsummer, where it was just like, it's very tantalizing. I have no idea what the fuck is happening in any of it. Like, Or, like, the Hereditary trailers, which, like, literally misled you. Like, they made you think one little girl was the main character of this whole movie. (laughs) Like, so, I don't know. Horror trailers have, like, kind of figured it out. They're like, we're going to do this. Good horror. There's some bad horror out there that has not figured it out and gives away the best scares. But. Yeah. Oh, speaking of great horror trailers, I can't get enough of the trailer for It. Uh, very excited to see that coming out soon. Yeah, that's going to be so good. It looks great. I mean, I've seen it in front of like every movie that I've seen within the past like month, but man, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think that's about it for Crawl. Um, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. If you're into kind of a weird B-horror creature feature, uh, it's right up your alley. And if you're not into that, then I don't know who you are. You should be <laughs> into it. Yeah. Yeah, give it a try. It's uh, it's worth a fun summer afternoon or evening. So, uh, yeah, with that, I think we'll close out this week's discussion. I don't really know what we're going to do next week, but we'll find we'll something. We'll figure it out. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot out right now. A lot going on. Um, we're probably gonna have to talk about the Lion King at some point, <laughs> just because Kill we've referenced me. it so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What I've seen so far does not look good, and in fact, has made me even less into the idea of seeing it. Yeah, I agree with that. But I also feel like yeah, you know, we've talked about it so much now. We kind of have to give it a chance, at least. Oh, we have to see it. There's like a 0% chance that I won't see this movie in theaters. Um, But I just don't want to. 
At least but the there's some other things good. we can talk about, and we'll figure something out. So it's okay. Right. Yeah. We will. We'll let you know what's up. But uh, you know, until next time, you can check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Run iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, all that. Um, and you can reach out to us on Twitter at Buzzed On Movies or by email at buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. Let us know uh, if we're not on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Let us know if there's something you'd like us to cover more of. And just let us know what you think in general. Uh, don't be a stranger. And until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We will see you at the movies.